We've started this series last week on your next step as we think about, well, what do I do now? If I am someone who has faith in Jesus, if I'm someone who needs to move a little deeper, a little closer in my walk with the Lord, what do I do now? And uh, we started last week by suggesting that we connect with one another, that we reach out and we spend some time together, not just talking about the weather or the ball game, but that we actually connect and we pray for each other and we encourage one another. And that was the key word, courage. And uh, that we remind each other that we're not alone. So you might remember uh, this is the, the path we're taking. I believe I'm forgiven. Now what? Well, connect. Today we're going to talk about pray. Next week about purify. And then share. Um, last week as we talked about connecting, the thing I reminded you is we all need someone who has our back. We all need backup. And uh, one of you sent me an email this week that just said, I have your back. And that meant a lot to me. I appreciate that. So, thanks. Today, as we shift gears and talk about prayer, I want to talk about how we have the possibility of being in constant communication with Lord, with our Lord. And so, there's this idea that, that prayer is something that we do when we stop and we close our eyes and we bow our heads and if we're really holy, we fold our hands and, and then if we're saints, we kneel. And that's what we do. But the truth of the matter is that we've been given some encouragement and some commands about prayer and about doing it all the time. And that's frustrating because I really don't want you guys bowing your heads and closing your eyes and folding your hands while you're going down the road driving your car. I do want you to be praying, but I want you to do it wisely and carefully. And so I notice around me that in this world we have all kinds of problems and as I get older, it seems like the problems become more complex and more deep and difficult And I talk to people and I just start to let go of my faith that God is at work and believe that, well, that's not going to change. That's just the way it is. And that's a faithless statement, isn't it? So we we live in this world where where things are bad and the problems seem difficult and complex and, and that's just in our own home. And once we get out of our own home and we move out into the world around us, it gets even more complex and and we realize that there's people that don't know Jesus and don't really care about him and don't act like they care about him and we bump into him all the time and then we go beyond that and there's people in positions of authority and power and they do things that don't really help us much. And then we realize that there's nations around us that envy us and want things from us. How in the world do we deal with all these problems? And and it just seems like to me at times I wrestle with that and I just think I don't have enough stuff. I don't have enough intelligence. I don't have enough time. I certainly don't have enough energy for all you people. Uh, I'm glad you guys are laughing about that. You know, we just go, how can we do this? 
And then, and then, you know, we come together as a church and we say, well, you know, Lord, here we are. We're a body of Christ and we want to make a difference in Wichita and Kansas and around the world. And then we go, how in the world? We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't know how to do this stuff. We're not that smart. Nobody here is a spiritual superstar. We don't have what it takes. We don't have enough stuff because these problems require way more than we can give. And so our tendency at that point is to say, look, because these problems are so big and I can't keep up and I only have so much to give, I probably shouldn't give it all and no one will notice. I probably shouldn't care at all because nobody will care if I don't care. So if I do nothing and if I withdraw, it's not going to make any difference because even if I care and I invest and I suffer and I struggle, it's not going to make any difference. And we we live in a world that sees the problems of the world in those dimensions. Our resources don't match our needs, so really what we need is to hoard our resources. And everybody hunkers down and puts everything in the backyard where no one can see it and holds on to it and we don't put it out there where it might make a difference because what we've got isn't enough. In whatever resource we might choose, what we've got just isn't enough. Well, I want to look at God's word and see what he says. Oh, coming back to the idea of constant communication. I was thinking about this this week. What is it like for someone who knows they can be in constant communication all the time. Now, I I would like to tell you that, that Kayleen and I, my wife and I, have worked really hard on our communication skills. And I can read her from across the room. She doesn't even have to say a word. I can watch her eyes, I can watch her body language, and I can go, I know exactly what she's thinking. You believe me? No. <laughs> there are way too many people shaking their head here. And, and, and I know that she can pick up on things that I do, and she'll go, I know, I saw what you did there. And, and, and there's this communication thing going on. But it is amazing because when it breaks down and we're not communicating well, it's the most trivial things, and it's the things that don't seem to matter, and yet the disconnect is huge, and I just wonder how in the world can we stay in communication with each other and stay connected. So we've, we have built for ourselves technology to do that, and, and we've got these cell phones glued to our bodies that... We can call each other all the time. And, and if we're talking to someone else, we can text each other all the time. And if it's a bigger thing that I can deal with later, you can email me all the time. And now we've got this thing on our phones. Maybe you guys have it. It's called Find a Friend. I don't know if you guys have this on yours, but Kayleen and I have it on our phones. And, and I can, even without calling or without texting or without emailing or without yelling, I can pick up my phone and punch in the app and I can go, Kayleen's at Walmart. And then I can go, hey, while you're there, give me some bananas. And she can punch it in and see, hey, Hink's not in the office. And I get these texts, what are you doing? (laughs) Nothing. And then I don't know why our communication breaks down. Yeah, we got all these things to communicate with each other, but we don't. And in the military, they, they take communication very, very seriously. And so 
being able to get information into the battlefield and out of the battlefield. And I was thinking about this and how in our day and age today with technology, I actually looked at several photographs and they had several photographs of uh, what the special forces use. It's like this little radar dish. It just looks like wire. And they set it up and then they can talk around the world. It'll be relayed around the world. Or if you're in, uh, in aviation and you get into a plane and you, you're going to have to talk to people around you. You are not going to want to fly into each other. And in our military, when they start running out of gas, you want to make sure there's a tanker nearby to give you another shot of gas to keep you going. And the idea of can we be in constant communication? Yes, but we have to make sure that what we're communicating about is vital. Otherwise, we tune each other out. So the last thing you want is a guy like this on the battlefield yelling into the phone saying, what do you have for breakfast? I'm sure that the commander on the other end would follow that with, give the phone to somebody else. Give the phone to somebody else. And, and here's the thing. When I talk to the Lord, I, I sometimes look like that. Not often, but occasionally. I really want his attention. I really want his intervention. But then I, at times, tend to ask for things that I really don't need for the battle. And so let's, let's look at that here. And let's look at this through the eyes of Paul as he's writing to the church in Ephesus. He says this, he says, Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit all the time. There's that thing. And of course, there's another passage where he tells another church, you should pray without stopping. Offer your prayers and petitions all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I will get a message that confidently makes this secret plan of the gospel known. Here's, in another, uh, if, you, if you got another version, you might have noticed this. In another version, version it says, I, I, that I will get this gospel confidently across of this great mystery known. I am an ambassador in chains for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. So here's Paul, and if you know anything about, you know, if you know much about the the book of Ephesus, Paul's probably writing this from jail. He's probably literally chained up, or behind bars at the very least. And he's writing and he's saying, I want you to pray all the time for each other. He starts with that. And then he said, I want you to pray for me. And here's the thing. He doesn't ask for breakfast. He says, pray that when I open my mouth, I will be able to speak of the mysteries of the gospel so that they can be heard, that I can do that confidently. I like that. So here's the thing. What Paul is really talking about is something that wasn't just available to him for a short amount of time because he needed to carry the gospel across, you know, Asia into Europe. This is something that is accessible to all of us all of the time. And we probably undervalue that. I don't know very many people who give the correct amount of attention and significance to how we can pray to God at any time. So 
if we have this kind of access, how do, how do we get it? Where do we find it? Where do we get to access God? You know, what, and, and all the time, are you sure about that? Because it seems like there are times and places that work better than others, right? And so for me, I know that if I am sitting down with some of you and praying, I'm a little bit more focused, I'm a little bit more diligent. And here's the thing, here's a confession of mine. I think a little bit more about my words and I stay on task a little bit better when I'm praying, when you guys are around, because I want to impress you. I don't want to distract you. And I'm not really paying that much attention to impressing God or staying on task with Him. And in fact, when you guys aren't around, my prayers just wander around like somebody who's lost. Now, I'm sure that's not true for you guys, but that is certainly true for me. And I'll start out over here praying for Jeff and Julie, and within about 30 seconds, I'm praying for the Chicago Bears this afternoon. And I'm sure the Lord is just shaking his head going, no. Jeff reminded me a couple weeks ago, I showed a video, uh, and uh, one of the Cardinals giving their testimony, and they lost every game after that, and they're out of the World Series. So there goes my prayer life, right? <clears throat> the Lord knew it's an idol, so I will destroy it. Um, and yeah, But here's, I have this thing where I tend to get distracted, but there's other places where it seems like it comes together quite well. And when I pray with others, it seems to do better. And in fact, Scripture says that we should do that. We should come together. Because when we pray together, it seems like there is more power. But thank God, I don't have to wait until... A couple of you come by my house or meet me here at the church or bump into me at Walmart and we can kind of gather and have a little prayer huddle. I don't have to do that. I still have access all by myself. And I was thinking about access and I went back to when I was a kid because some of us were having a conversation about this um, earlier in the week. Some of us more seasoned, mature people in the room remember when stores closed on Sunday right? Especially if you lived in a small town, you better buy it on Saturday because you are not buying it on Sunday. And so here is this thing that, you know, you got to plan your week according to the weekend. And not only that, I also remember when I was a kid up in McPherson that everything closed at about six o'clock at night. Yeah. And Thursday nights was the, the exception. Did any of you have that in your hometown? Thursday nights. Yeah, Rhonda did. So Thursday nights, it was open to like 8. Oh, my goodness, those people working long hours. Now, I get up at 2 in the morning, and I'm hungry, and I go, oh, I could go to Dillon's, or I could go to Walmart, or I could go to the Quick Shop, or I could go to Walgreens. I've got these all within a couple of miles of my house. You guys don't, do you? <laughs> well, I do. But I remember as a kid when convenience stores started to change and they were no longer just gas stations. It was a cultural shift in America. Because all of a sudden now, a place that sold gas sold food and then the one convenience store that really marketed this was 7-Eleven. And you guys remember what 7-Eleven meant? We open at 7, we close at 11. Oh my goodness, we can go there at 10.30 at night. It was amazing. 
And I was so impressed as a kid. And I, the first time I encountered a 7-Eleven was in Southern California with my cousins. And we were horsing around one evening. And they were a little older than me. And they were driving already. And one of my cousins said, hey, let's go to 7-Eleven. I don't think there was a real need there. I can't remember what we got. But to go in and say to the parents, Slurpees, Slurpees, yeah, Slurpees were the 7-Eleven thing. That's probably what it was. And so we got in the car and we left the house as kids, uh, as cousins, and we went to 7-Eleven for no good reason except that they were open. Ah, man, a little nostalgia there. But here's the thing. When we access God, we can access God at any time, anywhere, for any reason. And in those moments of despair and distress, like that soldier crying out, bring in the artillery, get me out of here, God is available. All the time. Not from 7 to 11, all the time, anywhere. I woke up this morning at 2.30 because my phone beeped. And on my phone was Pastor Linda from down at Rivercrest saying, we've had a death. And I texted her back and I hope it was okay and didn't autocorrect to something embarrassing because I was still half asleep. And I said, what do you need? And then she fired a text back to me and said, I need, a, I need a funeral home and can you make some recommendations? So I fired off a couple of names and we had this very brief conversation and then I put my phone down and I was getting ready to go back to sleep. And in that moment, as I laid my head back down, I just, in my head, I didn't even say the words out of my mouth. In my head, I said, Lord, be with them. Because we've been there recently, haven't we? And so at 2.30 in the morning, half awake, without speaking an audible word, I accessed God Almighty. And I guarantee you, somewhere here in Wichita, there were families praying at the same time. And maybe my prayer, coupled with a couple of other prayers from our brothers and sisters in Christ who were grieving and crying and saying goodbye, and maybe that made a difference. And instead of just being a drop in the bucket that I could withhold, it becomes a drop that I can put together with a thousand other drops that become a torrent. And I can contribute my prayer to where they are. I want to bring us into thinking about another aspect of prayer this morning because I wanted to start by challenging you to pray for one another. That's what Paul said to the people in Ephesus. He said, you know, pray for each other. You all need it. That's, that's the southern uh, translation. <laughs> pray for each other. And I, I got to tell you, there... When you tell me you're praying for me, I, I take it seriously. And I'm really grateful. And I hope you're really doing it. I trust that you are. And when I say, you know, I would like to pray for you or even more importantly with you, I, I mean it. And I may not be very good at it, but I do it. And so we need to intercede for one another. But I think we also need to go a step beyond that and not just say, you know, God fix these things. But there are there are a lot of reasons to pray those prayers. And so I want to start by sort of challenging you this morning as we shift gears here. I want to challenge you to pray the problem to God and to avoid 
what we have a tendency to do, and that is pray the solution to God. You know what I'm talking about? When I go to prayer and I tell God how he should do it, I'm praying the solution. The problem with that is I am nowhere near as wise and informed and as capable and imaginative as God is. And I have a tendency to go to God and say, you know what we really need, Lord? It's this. And I have a bulleted list. Instead of just going to the Lord and saying, Lord, this is the problem. This is the situation. This is what is happening. There's this wonderful story in the Old Testament that has to do with this guy, Jehoshaphat, where the armies were coming against them and all the people were upset and said, we're, we're going to die. And so Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And when he prays, he doesn't say, Lord, send another army or turn them around or, you know, cause them all to get sick. He doesn't give the solution. He just says, Lord, you see those armies and you know what they want to do. That's the problem. And then this miraculous thing happens where these angels intervene. It's an incredible story. And all Jehoshaphat says is, Lord, look, this is what's going on. I think sometimes that's the most powerful prayer we can pray. Lord, just see this. Understand what we're in, Lord. You know this stuff. We don't have to tell you how to do it. In fact, it would be condescending for us to tell you how to do it. So let's pray the problem. But here's the thing. I don't want to just say, Lord, things are bad. Lord, things are bad. Lord, things are bad. In fact, this morning in our prayer team time, there was a little corrective that, hey, we need to take a little bit more time to thank God for all the good things he's done, not just things are bad, things are bad, things are bad, but you did great things, you did great things, you did great things. We want to pray the problem, but we want to pray the problem with an imagination, I think. So I want to, yes, this is probably suggesting a solution, but I want us to be people of creative minds when it comes to our prayer prayer life. This is not an original idea to me, and in fact, it really just formed in my brain after I heard it from my friend Doug Newton. Some of you know Doug, and he has spent a lot of time thinking about writing about prayer. And Doug says, you know, we should pray with imagination to say, Lord, here's the problem, and I think it could change and look like something different. So he tells this story I want to share this story with you before we close. He tells this story about when he pastored in Kentucky, down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and his church um, was growing, and they had outgrown a very small, very uncomfortable building. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't have a lot of money. And so they started praying, and their church just said, you know, Lord... We need a better place to meet as a church in a bigger place. That was it. They prayed the problem. What they didn't know and wouldn't know for a while was there was a woman who would drive through town on her commute to work. She was a pastor's wife from another church, another denomination, did not know anything about Doug and his little church there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But as she was driving through on her commute, she would always drive by Main Street where there was an old theater, an old cinema, and it had uh, been abandoned as a theater and a cinema. 
economy had taken its toll on it and so on. And, and instead, somebody bought that cinema and turned it into an adult strip club. And that bothered her. Thank the Lord. Because every day when she would drive by on the way to work, she would pray at that place. And she started by praying the problem and said, Lord, this town doesn't need that. This is destructive. This harms people. It doesn't build up our city. Something needs to happen there in that old theater. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed. And it was quite a while this went on. And eventually she branched out from just praying the problem. And she went so far as to be so bold as to say, Lord, what I would really like to see happen is that cinema turned from a strip club into a church. Isn't that crazy? So she started praying this, and she started praying that that would happen. Well, at the same time, things started happening in the community. There, was, there were a lot of problems with the building. There were a lot of problems with the people that were running the business there. The city got involved, and the city revoked a license and all this stuff. And lo and behold, through a strange set of circumstances, that's usually the way it works, right? Someone came to Doug and said, you should ask about that old theater. I bet you could buy it cheap. And he did. And they did. And so down came the signs, cleaned up the place, and they went in and remodeled the inside, and a sign went up on the outside. This is now a church. And one day this woman came walking in off the street, did not know them, did not know Doug, did not know what their church was about, but she came walking in and said, I need to talk to the pastor. And there were tears running down her face. And she said, I need to talk to the pastor because for years I've driven by this place. And every day I go to work, I have prayed that the Lord would transform this into a church. And Doug said, I have no idea who you are and I've never had any contact with you but God answered your prayers and ours. You see, when that drop from us goes together with a drop from another and another and another, even though we have no idea who they are or where they are or what time they're praying, somehow those things have a synergy to them. When they come together, they have an energy to them and God is active in them. I I learned this as a kid on the mission field where story after story where people would contact us and say, what happened on such and such a date because I was impressed to pray for you. And we would go, amazing, because on that day things were going really bad and we needed your prayers. There's somehow that God impresses on our hearts and we begin praying and it goes together with other people who are crying out with God and things come together. And so my friends, I really, really want to impress on you that we should be praying for one another because you have no idea how we need one another's prayers. You have no idea. I have no idea how I will need your prayers this week. We have no idea what will happen here on Saturday during a memorial service to Jan while Pastor Stephanie's bringing a message. But if you pray for her, something's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen here Thursday night when people come and kids just want some candy, but they're going to meet us. And if we pray about it, something's going to happen. And so, my friends, I want to challenge you that we pray with an imagination and say, God, let's see something different here. And maybe it's not for our church, and maybe it's not for a family over there. Maybe it's for you. 
Maybe it's for you and you think, you know, really? My drop of a prayer has not affected anything. And it's time for us to put yours together with ours. So I'm going to ask our musicians to come back up here to the front. We're going to sing a hymn. And when Stephen suggested it this week, I just kind of shook my head and said, that's not what I want to sing. And so I asked him to sing the other one we sang at the end of prayer. But the, the farther I got into the week, the more I thought, no, this is it. This is right. Because some of us need to come to a place where we say, Lord, this is our problem. This is just it. This is our problem. We don't have a solution. But you can change this. And some of us need to come to the Lord and say, and we want you to change it in miraculous, wonderful ways that will transform and amaze people so that they turn their eyes to you and turn their hearts to you. So remain seated. But if you say, I need somebody else to add their drop and another and another, you're welcome to come up here to the front. We will pray with you. We will stay with you until it's done. If you are not comfortable coming up and you just go, man, (laughs) there's not enough prayers in this room for my mess, uh, that's okay. Let me know another way. You can send me an email. Remember, we can communicate all these ways. Email, text, call, all those things. But I guarantee you, there may not be enough prayers in this room, but there's enough God in this world. And so, bring your mess to him. Amen.